0: You're listening to Comedy Central. June 17, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Director of the International Monetary Fund, a.k.a. the IMF. And, yes, that is as important as it sounds, Christine Lagarde is joining us, everybody! (laughs) Also on tonight's show, O.J. Simpson is back. Donald Trump gives us a special tour of the White House, and we find out how many of America's presidents were secretly gay. So let's catch up (laughs) on today's headlines. (laughs) Let's kick it off with O.J. Simpson the notorious memorabilia thief and officially no other kind of criminal. Over the weekend, a lot of people who opened up Twitter got a big surprise.
1: There is a lot of reaction to one of the newest members of Twitter, OJ Simpson joining the social media site for the first time just days after the 25th anniversary of the murders of his ex-wife Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman.
0: Hey, Twitter world, this is yours truly. Simpson wasting little time to address rumors that have become tabloid fodder over the years. On Sunday, he posted a video denying he ever had an affair with Kris Jenner, saying Khloe Kardashian is not his
2: daughter. Never in any way, shape, or form have I ever had any interest in Kris. Simpson saying he'll use his new platform in a variety of ways. I got a little getting even to do.
0: Whoa. (laughs) I got a little getting even to do? If you're O.J. Simpson, there are some phrases that you should never use. (laughs) I got a little getting even to do? No. Have you seen my gloves? No. (laughs) And the worst one, pass me the knife. No, OJ. You cut your steak with a fork, my friend. (laughs) I can't believe that OJ Simpson is on Twitter. Imagine getting a push notification saying, OJ Simpson is now following you. (laughs) That's the scariest phrase in the English language. He should have joined Snapchat, at least they destroy the evidence for you. But apparently the reason OJ joined Twitter is because he wants to respond to rumors about him, like how he and uh, Chris Jenner allegedly had an affair. And of course OJ says it's not true, but knowing him, he'll deny it now, but in a year he'll put out a book called, If I Hit It. (laughs) Moving on to some international news. South American countries have a history of power struggles, but last weekend they took it to a whole new level. In South America, a massive power failure left tens of millions of people without electricity today in Argentina, Uruguay, and Paraguay. The power grids of those countries are all connected, and the blackout affected everything from subways and traffic lights to water distribution. By late afternoon, power had been partially restored. The cause has not yet been found. Okay, this is really weird. Three countries in South America all lost power at the exact same time. And I know what some of you are thinking like, Trevor, isn't that normal in those countries? Well, yes. (laughs) But not like this, not all at once. It's like when you see one or two spiders in your room, you're like, okay, whatever. But then if you walk into your room and it's waist deep with spiders, some shit has gone down. (laughs) Now there is speculation. There is speculation that the outage could have been a cyber attack. And a lot of experts think that this could be the future of war, where countries are just gonna be hacking into each other's systems, shutting down their grids. In fact, just this weekend, The New York Times reported that America is attacking Russia's power grid. So what if this was Russia trying to get revenge, but they just hit the wrong switch, huh? (laughs) Yeah, Vlad was like, I'm flipping switch, but nothing is happening. (laughs) It's like, no, Vlad, that is wrong America. You're switching off south. Okay, how about this one? No, that's garbage disposal. (laughs) By the way, have you ever noticed how, like, your attitude about a power outage dramatically changes the longer it goes on? Right? If there's power that's out for 30 minutes, you're like, oh, this is gonna be romantic. Let's light some candles. <laughs> but after six hours, you're like, all right, I'm gonna ambush the neighbor and steal his gun. Baby, you strangle his grandmother. <laughs> and finally, some news from the Democratic primary. Pete Buttigieg, Democratic candidate, mayor of South Bend and real life boss baby. Over the weekend, <laughs> he did an interview with Axios on HBO. And one thing he said took the reporter a little by surprise. If you were to win the nomination, they'll say you're too young, too liberal, too gay to be commander in chief. You are young, you are liberal, you are gay. How will you respond?
1: Uh, People will elect the the person who will make the best president. And uh, we have had excellent presidents who have been young. We have had excellent presidents who have been liberal. Uh, I would imagine we've probably had excellent presidents who were gay, we just didn't know which ones.
0: You believe that we've had a gay commander in chief?
1: I mean, statistically, it's almost certain.
0: And have, like, in your reading of history, like, do you believe you know who they were?
1: My gaydar doesn't even work that well in the present, let alone uh,
0: retroactively. <laughs> oh, man. That was such a great response. I love how the journalist was like, It's so funny that the journalist thinks because Buttigieg is gay, he automatically knows who else is gay. Like, gay people can even recognize each other across time. Yeah, it's the same way when I tell people I'm from Africa. Some people are like, oh my God, you're from Africa. Do you know Mufasa? I'm like, no, you idiots. <laughs> we went to different high schools, come on. <laughs> also, Buttigieg is a better man than me. Cause you realize he could have said, any president is gay and that guy would have believed him. Yeah, he could have been like, well, Thomas Jefferson was totally gay. The guy would be like, what? How can you tell? would be like, oh, I can tell. <laughs> that would have been it. But here's the thing, there's no way to know for certain which U.S. presidents would get, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? But there's no way to know. Although Grover Cleveland does have a cameo in the new Taylor Swift video, so you never know. <laughs> All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona. When people think of Phoenix, what do they think of? Well, no one actually thinks of Phoenix, but if they were forced <laughs> to, what would they think of? It would probably be the extreme heat, or a college you can graduate from in three weeks, (laughs) or the fact that the city's basketball team has the uh, world's most random mascots. Yeah, seriously, how do you pick a gorilla when you're the Phoenix Suns, all right? You could have been a Phoenix, or you could have been a Sun. A gorilla makes no sense. Even gritty makes more sense. Because that's how you look if you spend your whole life in Philly eating cheesesteaks, all right? But the gorilla makes no sense. But Phoenix has also started to become notorious for how bad its police force is, with a record 44 police shootings last year. Yeah, more than any other large city in America. And now, thanks to cell phone video, we get to see it for ourselves.
2: Growing outrage tonight after an extreme reaction from Phoenix police to a little girl swiping a doll.
1: Cops in Phoenix
0: threaten Aisha Harper, a 24-year-old pregnant woman with her two young children by her side. The video starts after the family pulls up at their babysitters and are approached by police with guns drawn. Phoenix police officers at times sounded like hitmen. Get out the car! Get out the car! Sweet Jesus. I'm gonna put a cap in your head. That's what the cop said. What happened to protect and serve? Like, I'm sorry, everything about that video is wrong. Right? Not only is the cop screaming like the woman is the one pointing a gun at him but he's talking about busting caps like he's a lost member of NWA. There's no no excuse for this. Like, there's no excuse. Unless maybe the cop says he arrests people in the way that he thinks that they speak. You know, maybe he's like, hey, yo, black man, get your ass on the ground. And as for USA, you better stop acting like a pendejo. (laughs) And you, Belgian guy, I don't know how you speak. Waffles, waffles, waffles. (laughs) Now, what makes this whole thing worse is that this family wasn't robbing a bank or holding people hostage. No, this was the cops responding to a call about a four-year-old who took a Barbie doll out of a dollar store without paying for it. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry, guys, you don't need to show up like the SWAT team to rescue a Barbie from a little girl. If anything, you should be rescuing the little girl from the Barbie. should be getting there like, little girl, watch out! That Barbie can give you a warped sense of what a woman's body is supposed to be! <laughs> Barbie, Barbie, please, don't do it, Barbie. Think about Ken and your dream house and that new job you just got as a scientist. (laughs) And as traumatic as this experience was, thankfully, thankfully, no one was shot. And honestly, I don't think it's because of the officers. I think it's because of the well-trained civilians who happened to be on the scene. The woman behind this cell phone video asking to take the kids. Oh, look at these kids. Can I get the babies? Excuse me? Excuse me, can I get the kids? Even the bystanders, you can hear them saying, calm down to the police.
2: Hey, hey! Whoa, sir, come down! Can someone just like, you know, defuse
0: the situation here? I'm sorry guys, but this is ridiculous. How do civilians know how to act like the police better than police know how to act like the police? How? Because because this this guy's next to the cop holding his phone, but instead of panicking, he's trying to calm things down. I mean, he's even using the language cops are supposed to be thinking about. Guys, let's defuse this situation. That's how you know shit has gone wrong. Because back in the day, the guys holding the phone used to be like, oh man, he about to bust a cap in his ass, world star! But now the cop sounds like that, bust a cap in your ass! And the people filming the thing sound like trained police, you know, all right, de-escalate the situation, come on. Remember to read him his Miranda rights, come on. And you would think, you would think cops cursing at civilians and pointing guns at a four-year-old child would be as bad as the story could get. But what makes it even worse is that if we didn't have these videos, those cops would have been able to paint a very different picture of how this all went down.
2: Major differences emerging between the police
0: report and the video captured by witnesses. Nowhere in the report does he mention yelling, you're going to get effing shot, or I'm going to put an effing cap right in your effing head. In the video, Officer Meyer clearly kicks the leg of the handcuffed father. In the report though, he writes, I made him spread his feet. You know what's most troubling about this? is that it makes you wonder how many people have been arrested and put in jail because everyone assumes the police version of the events is always the truth. Like, time and time again, time and time again, cell phone videos contradict the official reports. Because you saw the video, he kicks his leg. The guy's not doing anything, he kicks his leg. But in the report he says, I made him spread his feet. Cop's report makes it sound like a peaceful yoga instructor. It's like, and then I moved him into downward mother dog. (laughs) Namaste. (laughs) And you know what's sad about this whole story is that as harrowing as it was, this family is one of the lucky ones because none of them were shot and calm bystanders recorded the entire thing to back them up and now, their lawyer is helping them sue that police department for $10 million. <laughs> which, which... won't help erase what happened to them, but it will help that little girl buy a shitload of those dolls. <laughs> we'll be right back. You know, one of the things that makes President Trump so unique is the way he interacts with the media. He doesn't give many traditional press conferences. You know, he mostly just shouts at reporters in front of a helicopter, or (laughs) takes a few questions when he's with a foreign leader, or his favorite just shares policy ideas at the drive-through. He's like, (laughs) let me get a burger, no lettuce, no pickles, and no deal with Iran. Like, okay, sir, do you want fries with that? The Iran deal? No, sir, the burger. Okay, because if the Iran deal comes with fries, I would be open to negotiating. <laughs> but what's also interesting about Donald Trump is sometimes he'll switch things up and he'll give one reporter total access to him for an entire day. And the latest example was with ABC's George Stephanopoulos. And one thing we learned from this interview was that Trump may not like intelligence briefings or cabinet meetings or reading in general, but... He loves giving tours.
2: The Oval Office is such a special place. Show us around. A famous desk. Oh, that's a very famous desk. That's the Resolute Desk. You have your choice of seven desks. They have seven desks. They give you pictures of desks. They give you pictures of carpet. This is the Ronald Reagan carpet. Mm-hmm. They give you pictures of the drapes. You see the drapes? They say, I think we have 12 sets of drapes we can use. Here's your new Air Force One. It's going to look incredible. It's going to look sleeker. What's the biggest personal touch you've put on the office? Well, I put a lot of them, uh, the flags. You didn't have flags to any great degree. (laughs) It's
0: like the the weirdest episode of MTV Cribs. (laughs) Yeah, you know, this is my flags. Yeah, yeah, this is my desk. That is a lot of flags though, right? And it seems innocent, but when you think about what Trump does to flags in public, I don't even wanna imagine what he does when they're alone. (laughs) Yeah, those flags were probably like, Stephanopoulos, take us with you. Please, Stephanopoulos, please. (laughs) Trump spent so much time showing George Stephanopoulos around, you'd think that he was looking to sublet the Oval Office. (laughs) But since he had a member of the fake news media there, he also used the opportunity to hit back at them and their phony reporting.
2: I watched your show this morning. I watched Good Morning America, and they had uh, something about uh, the polling, and it's really suppression polling, it's fake polling. But in that case, it was just made up polling. And I had, made made, I had the same thing it made up. I mean, they give you phony numbers. They give you numbers. They said that they have access to numbers, which I don't believe they have access to. Trump basically treats
0: polls the way some people treat their bathroom scales, you know? Yeah, when you're happy with the number, you're like, yeah, this is science. I mean, that's what I weigh. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's technology. But if the number is not what you want it to be, then you're like, this, is, this shit is going back to Bed Bath & Beyond. That's not, that's not right. That's not right. Is this pounds or kilograms? <laughs> Unfortunately for Trump though, there's one poll that he couldn't blame the media for because it was done by his own campaign. The Trump campaign's internal polling shows the
2: president trailing former Vice President Joe Biden in critical battleground states, 39 to 55 percent in Pennsylvania, 41 to 51 in Wisconsin, and by seven points in Florida.
1: CBS News has learned the Trump campaign fired several posters after those internal polling numbers were leaked.
0: <laughs> oh, man. So Trump learns that he's behind in the polls and he responds by firing his pollsters, (laughs) which makes sense to me. It's like how I used to have Ebola, but then I fired my doctor, so I don't have Ebola anymore, yeah. (laughs) I'm just a regular guy who pees out of his butt. (laughs) My favorite moment from this interview, my favorite moment was when Trump talked about releasing his tax returns. Not because I think he'll actually release them at this point, it's more likely that he'll release an album of duets with Hillary Clinton, no. (laughs) What made this thing interesting was that while Trump was talking, someone in the background coughed and just watch what happens after that.
2: They're after my financial statement, the Senate, they'd like to get my financial statement. At some point, I hope they get it. You're gonna turn it over? No, at some point, I might, but at some point I hope they get it (laughs) because it's a fantastic financial statement. It's a fantastic financial statement. And uh, let's do that over. He's coughing in the middle of my answer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't like that. You know. When okay. Your hey, chief of staff. If you're going to cough, please hey, leave me the room. Get a shot of, and I'll, yeah. I'll come over here. Actually. just, just yeah, can you just can't. just to change the shot? Okay. Sorry. Okay. Do you want to do that a little differently then? Yeah. Or? We just changed the angle. Okay. Yep. Thank you. So at some point, so at some point, I look forward to, frankly, I want, I'd like to have people see my financial statement because it's, it's phenomenal.
0: Yo, are you serious? (laughs) It's like a real life episode of The Office. He's looking at the camera, the camera's going off. I half expected Dwight to pop up on screen and just shake his head. (laughs) But you have to give it to Trump. He might not be a good president, but he is a fantastic television professional. He knows his angles. He's giving them different line readings. He's changing it up. They're coming for my precious tax returns. And I, wait, who's coughing? (laughs) All right, let me take that again. They're coming for my precious tax returns. All right, that was the one, that was the one. And by the way, I don't think it was a coincidence that his chief of staff just happened to cough right when Trump was talking about releasing his tax returns. Yeah, that didn't sound like a real cough. It sounded more like a, shut the up about your taxes. That's what that was. So. That was Trump's one-on-one with ABC. And really, this makes it clear why he doesn't do interviews very often. Because in one interview, he contradicted himself on the polls, he flipped out at his coughing staff, and worst of all, he somehow managed to look shorter than George Stephanopoulos. (laughs) So I think it's safe to say tomorrow's interview will be back at the drive-thru. We'll be right back. My guest tonight is the managing director of the International Monetary Fund. Please welcome Madame Christine Lagarde. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It is not often that I sit across people who have access to a trillion dollars. Is this a good time to ask for a loan? Is this (laughs) this when I do it? For for those
1: who don't know, what is the job of the IMF? Do you mind a teeny tiny bit of history? Of course. Okay, we just celebrated the Second World War anniversary 75, 75 years ago. Right. We are celebrating our 75th anniversary as well. Oh, wow. Because what happened at the time, countries decided that fighting each other, killing each other was probably not the way to go because it all started with a bad economic situation. Yes. So they thought, rather than do that, why don't we set up a club, give it a lot of money, and have competent people, number one, give some economic advice, number two, give some loans in case any member of the club is not doing so well, right. and number three, ask them to give technical assistance. That's what we do. We try to help countries with better prosperity, and we try to help with financial stability so that the world is not going in too bad a direction.
0: It's interesting that you got this job at a time when the world was going in a bad direction because you took over, like, basically at the peak of the financial crisis. And some people have, have said that's, that's another example of... I don't know if you've heard of it, the glass cliff. You know, you have the glass ceiling, and they say the glass cliff is when something goes really bad and then they give the job to a woman. They're like, ah, right, you can Correct. have it now. Yes. yes. You're right. Oh, okay, uh, Yes. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Did it, did it feel like you were stepping into a job where you were destined
1: to fail? Because you've succeeded now, but I mean, at that moment, was it terrifying? It was intimidating, yes. But your point is t- so right. Whenever the situation is really, really bad, you call in the woman. Right. <laughs> yeah. And... And the woman did a great job.
0: I mean, you came in... No, you, you've, you've been lauded as someone who is not just, uh, uh, you know, apt at handling money and understanding the cause of the world, but you've moved the IMF forward. I mean, you know, the IMF was once regarded as, a, as an institution that was only dealing with African countries, etc. Mm. But recently, the IMF was bailing out Greece. The IMF was helping countries in Europe that have been struggling. Yep. When you look at the challenges the world is facing now... What do you think we need to be looking out for that could lead to the next conflict based on economics that's, that's causing people to just, I guess, flare up in different ways?
1: I'll tell you what I think are the two key priorities going forward. Number one is climate change. Mm-hmm. Number two is rising inequalities. If we could fix those two things, it might significantly improve the position. How do you and begin to fix those things? Well, I'll give you an example. On climate change, around the world, you have roughly... Oh... $5 trillion that are being spent on subsidies to burn fossil fuel. This is not a good use of public finance. Instead of that, you should put that money in health, in education, in hospitals, in infrastructure. That is right? a lot of money, yeah. It is a lot of money.
0: But, but someone might say to you, yes, but they're giving that money to fossil fuel industries because they need to boost economies. Why do you think from your experience, it's more important to be investing in social, uh, you know, social grants, social ideas that move people forward, like hospitals, like
1: schools, etc. cetera. Why, how does that help an economy? Well, first of all, it helps by reducing the inequalities. If uh, young kids in all countries of the world, particularly the low-income countries, can go to school, they will be better off. Right. If uh, women, for instance, can actually, instead of walking miles to get water, as is the case in so many countries, can actually access a road, a highway, and mm-hmm. go and fetch water without having to spend all that, all those, those hours. Right. If kids are born in hospitals where there is a- appropriate care, then clearly they're going to be better off for the rest of their life. So by doing that, you improve the, the prosperity of people, not today, maybe not tomorrow, but in five and 10 years time, because that's critically important for the future.
0: You have to have a long-term view in your job though, because you're working with so much money and you're working with the future of countries and the world one of the issues you've been vocal about has been the trade disputes happening right now, especially yep. between America and China. And you actually said to both of the boys leading their countries, they both need to calm down yep. and they need to work this out. Now, on the American side, I-, I can't speak for China's policy, but I know on the American side, Donald Trump's argument has been, they have to impose these, um, these trade policies. They have, to, they have to block China because uh, American industries are suffering and they have to impose these tariffs. How do you respond to that and, and, and what do you think a possible solution could be for the small business owners slash the industries that are feeling it and the economy and the global economy at, 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 at large? Mm.
1: Well, I'd say two things. One is um, President Trump has a point concerning
0: wait, 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 wait. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because yeah, no, he has a point. Um, on intellectual property. Yes. It is correct that nobody should be stealing intellectual property to go ahead, to move ahead. Right. He has a point on subsidies. You cannot just go about competing with others out there that are being heavily subsidized. So on those two points, you, you can't either say, well, welcome in my country, But you're only going to come if you're going to transfer technology, and this is compulsory. You have no option. So on these three points, clearly the game has to change. Mm -hmm. The rules have to be respected. But where it doesn't work is when you say, I'm going to raise tariffs. Because the impact of raising tariffs is not going to be on China. The impact is going to be on those companies in the United States that are importing goods from outside the US. And the ultimate person who will bear the brunt of those tariff increases are the consumers, and particularly the low-income consumers, those who need to actually buy reasonably cheap products because they can get by with those products. And they are the ones who are going to actually suffer the consequences of tariff increases. So I'm saying to all those involved in trade discussions, you know, we need adults in the room. Uh, You need to hear... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you need to hear... You need to hear the economic facts, not focus on one or two numbers, but look at the overall picture mm-hmm. and understand that if, if you actually do that, you're going to give a little haircut to the global economy. We've calculated that if there is tariff on the entire business between the U.S. and China, at 25% as is threatened already applied on some, it's going to shave off about half a percentage point of growth. That's the equivalent of removing South Africa from the planet. What? Yeah, in terms of size, that's the equivalent of the GDP of South Africa. Why did you choose South Africa?
0: <laughs> you made it personal. Wow. You, you, you are always dealing with such big issues. And I mean, that, it is an international monetary fund one of the main things that you have been a driver of, one of the main issues has been empowering women, and not in a charity sense, Mm. but in a Mm. business sense. You know, you you very famously had the the quote where you came out and said, if Lehman Brothers was Lehman Brothers and Sisters, maybe they would have done a little bit better. Yes. right. Why is it so important for countries to invest in women beyond the niceness of it all?
1: Yeah, I've given up on the morality and charity side of things. Oh, you have? No, I'll tell you why. Not personally, but because (laughs) it doesn't seem to impress people. Yes. So I said, fine, you're not impressed by that? It's a moral imperative? You're not concerned? Okay. Now, let me tell you that if on the economic side, you increase the size of the economy you improve the income per capita each individual mm-hmm. in, in, in society and if at the company level you actually get a better profit at the end of the year because there will have been women on the board or women in the executive team aren't you concerned about that i don't know yet and i have to meet yet the leader of a country who says no i don't want more growth. No, I don't want a larger economy. No, I don't want to distribute more income. Right. They all want the same thing. So bring the woman. If you look at the participation of women in the economy, you usually have 15% difference. If you look at the wages of women versus Mm men, same job, same effort, you have at least 16% difference. Why is that? This is a complete waste of time and waste of energy and waste of resources. So, women have to be given the same opportunities, be given the same salary, and have the same exactly rights as men. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank Wonderful having you. Good luck at the G20. Christine Lagarde, everybody. <laughs>